For 25 years, Christ Faith Tabernacle has spread across the globe, empowering the saints for the season of the Lord's return. This season has arrived. Join Apostle Alfred and Reverend Piona Williams in this year of God's glory as we celebrate the Christ Faith Tabernacle 25th year jubilee from the 23rd of February to the 1st of March. Our name shall be great. Nation will come out of us. The Lord has blessed us and nobody can revoke it. Be empowered alongside ministers from across the globe to walk in the miraculous, see healings, miracles, signs and wonders in your ministry. Come and celebrate 25 incredible years that have seen Christ Paved Tabernacles spread across the globe, meeting dignitaries and changing nations. You are healed right now in the name of Jesus by the blood of the risen Lord. Let them see Jesus shine through your life like never before. And you are bulletproof as long as you are walking under the covering of the Almighty. You got to know that God has set you apart special. God is very, very involved in every little thing. The Christ Faith Tabernacle Silver Jubilee. Leadership training daily. Power Miracle Nights every evening from 7 p.m. And the official dedication of the incredible CFT Cathedral Woolwich on Sunday, March the 1st at 4 p.m. The venue, CFT Cathedral, 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London, SE18 6NL. Visit cftchurches.org or call 020 8316 2332. I tell my people wherever, you know, wherever I'm invited to go, I don't always go. And I have a tendency to look at things in a little bit of a different perspective than most people do. My journey with the Lord has not been an easy one. In fact, I decided I was, right from the very beginning, I did not want to serve God. And you'll forgive my back. I did not want to serve the Lord. I, I was enjoying trying to make my own plans, my own purposes in life. And his dealing with me was very firm. And I came to the point where, in abject disruption of my own plans and purposes, I came to realize that it was God's plan for my life that had to stand and not my own. I'm going to need some help today because I thought I was going to have a platform and I was going to put my, I had organized and now I'm not. So maybe somebody would like to read for me if I give you the scripture. Would that work? Someone likes to read out loud, give you a chance. Lady pops up straight away in the back. Proverbs chapter 19. And we're going to take you, I know we're talking about leadership, but I'm going to go there by a roundabout route. Okay? And in so doing, maybe we can, uh, we can learn some. Proverbs chapter 19, and I'd like you to read verses 20, 21, and 22, please. Okay. In fact, you can all read it out. I'm using the King James so we don't get a whole lot of different versions going at one okay. time. Proverbs chapter 19, verses 20, 21, and 22. Okay. Proverbs chapter 19, from verse 20. Hear counsel and receive instruction, that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord shall stand. All right. Stop right there. That's good. There are many devices in a man's heart. How many of you know in the writings of Paul, he talks about devices of the devil? So you've been taught probably the word devices is a word which means strategies or stratagem. It's like a general would sit down with his war council and figure out how he was going to go about the defeating of the enemy. Yes? It's a war strategy. It's It's a dynamic term meaning the interacting with the enemy on a mental level. And here, the writer of Proverbs, you be seated, sister, thank you. The writer of Proverbs is telling us that 
if we first of all figure out that our devices are the things that get us into trouble. But ultimately, it's the Lord's counsel that will stand. Now, if I were to put that in modern English, uh, I would would probably say it this way. Even though we have a lot of things going on in our minds as to what we would like to do in the future, if we can discover God's purpose for our life, it is that purpose which will be foundationally strong. Now, a lot of people never find the purpose of God. A lot of people never, ever discover what it is that God had destined for them before they were born. My wife right now, she's at home and she's in the process now of wearing a campaign against abortion. Because she, my wife and I were not able to have children. But there are a lot of children who are multiple millions who never get to see the light of day. Most of that is because of the ignorance of the mothers. And so we're about the business now of trying to educate young women with the opportunity of bringing a life into this world. Now, from the spiritual perspective, as soon as an egg is fertilized, so what's this got to do with leaders? Well, a lot of leaders have been aborted. Do we understand that? Yes? And you'll forgive my back. I'm sorry. I can't. 360 degrees. I don't mean to be rude to anybody. So from the moment that egg is fertilized... Not only do we have a living being, but we have the instigation of life. When God formed Adam out of dirt, that being was not a living being until God breathed his spirit or his ruach into that creation and it became a living soul. Amen? When that sperm fertilizes that egg, there is a living soul which has a destiny that is designed by God. And an opportunity for that human being to make all the wrong choices and never choose God. In that instance, of course, the child can grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord if he's fortunate to have godly parents. And they can instruct him in the way in which he should go. Usually it's the mother that does that. And so we would bring this around to a leadership thing where mums are usually the ones that are the first leaders in that child's life. Male and female. It's the mums that usually lead that child in its first step. Would I be right? Okay, well, from that instance, after the mother leads that child in the first step, if if that child's fortunate and the child gets an opportunity uh, to find the Lord, that's good. As the child moves on from that stage, then the father takes over. And the father hopefully brings instruction as the head of the house. We're not seeing too much of that anymore. And that proceeds, of course, on from that into college and on to that where we have instructors in righteousness and so forth and so on. And then ultimately, we should find ourselves in a place where we are instructed in the church. Amen? Now, Paul says the instruction in the church carries on uh, where it's rather important. But he said you might have 10,000 instructions, but not many fathers. So we have apostolic order coming into the house of God. And you should know by now that it's the apostles and the prophets that form the foundational structure of the house of God. Yes? Isn't that right? Okay, now I want you to look up another scripture for me and we'll see if we can fast track our way to where I'm headed to help you as future leaders in the house of God here at Christ Faith Tabernacle and in your own churches and ministries. Uh, And that scripture is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse, uh, forgive me, scribble this stuff down here, verse 6, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 6. Now, when you get there, you're going to say to me, well, that's talking about understanding tongues and spiritual giftings. It is, but at the same time, oh, I see we have it up on that back screen up there. That's helpful. Okay. Notice here he's explaining about tongues, but that's not what I want to be looking at. 
He says, now brethren, so who's he talking to? The body of Christ, yeah? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6. If I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Now, I want you to put that speaking in tongues part in brackets because it's the thinking that the Apostle Paul has that I want to get to. He says, what shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? What I'm trying to get to here is the church is getting ready to have a dynamic shift. The body of Christ itself is out of control. How many of you know that? The body, of, the body of Christ in the United States is being led by donkeys and goats. You can laugh, but it's very sad. And it's happening here too. You happen to be in, a, in an atmosphere of apostolic order and, and of excellence. But that's not the norm. Are you listening to me? We're right now, how many of you are familiar with uh, the recognition of the dispensations of the church following through from the book of Revelation, uh, recognizing that we are in the latter-day church, the Laodicean church? Do you believe that? You do. How many people don't believe that? Okay. I can prove it to you dispensationally and by the seven angels. I can tell you who the angels are in the first six. The final angel of the church of the Laodicean church, we don't know yet because he has not yet emerged. However, if we look at the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, it deals totally and absolutely with the church. And if we look at Revelation 3 and verse 20, you'll see one of the saddest verses in the whole of the book of Revelation. Have a look and tell me what that says. Revelation 3 and verse 20. I can tell you what it says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And whosoever shall open that door, I shall come in and I shall sup with them. People use that as evangelistic scriptures. It is not It is a scripture spoken by the master himself. And why is it sad? It's sad because here we find the founder of the church standing on the outside of the doors of the church, banging on the doors of his own church, asking to come back in. If you see things the way I see them and the way a lot of these men of God may see them also, the church is in the process now where it needs a radical shake. Because the Lord wants to have his people come back under his direct instruction and covering. If we look at the book of the Revelation, the first chapter of the book of Revelation. Can you flip over there? I'm giving you a few scriptures and I'd like you to look them up later when we have a bit more time. First chapter, book of Revelation. How many people here uh, are in first place in their ministries? Have number one slot or they've taken charge or taken responsibility for a, a ministry of their own? Can I see your hands? Well, don't be shy. If you have, put your hand up. Let me see. All right, awesome. I want to look at you. Leave your hand up. Don't, don't put them down. I want to see if you are what you say you are. Oh, good. Okay. There were two people sitting here. What happened to them? Ah, oh, they had to go. Okay. And what do you do, brother? What do you do? What do you do? Pastor, ministry. Pastor and ministry? Where? Lagos. In Lagos. Yeah. Awesome. And how about you, my brother? What do you do? Pastor, pastor of a church in Lagos. Pastor of a church in Lagos. Yes. Is it a powerful church? Yes, sir. How do you know it's a powerful church? I do the will of God. You preach the word of God, but yeah. that doesn't I mean, I do the will of God. Awesome. And how about you, sister? I pastor a church in Edmonton. In Edmonton? London, yeah. And is it a powerful church, sister? We're working on that. You're working on that? <laughs> That's an honest answer. Amen. Pastors? All pastors? Yeah? Yes? How many people here realize that the most important thing that you can be 
is obedient to the calling that Jesus Christ has placed upon your life. The first shall be last, the last shall be first has many connotations. Yeah? First chapter of the book of Revelation. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Not the apostle, not the prophet, not the evangelist, pastor or teacher. We have taught the body of Christ into a, a quandrum of inactivity and lethargy. People love to be taught. Now, there's nothing toward my esteemed colleagues here because I know they're great teachers. But for the most part, people can come and listen to a teacher of the Word of God and if there's no ignition on the inside of their heart, it becomes no more or no less than what would be if you went to a college and sat in a seminar and listened to a teacher. And you and I both know if I go to college, I can choose to show up at the class or not show up at the class. My body is there, but my brain is somewhere else. And when it comes down to Christianity, your five senses, which are involved in 90% of Christianity, have absolutely nothing to do with the realm of the kingdom of God. Nothing. The five senses are given to us so that we can have interaction on this earth. Are you listening to me? Those five senses are what the church motivates themselves with. We whip people up or try to whip people up into a frenzy. Amen, shout amen with me, somebody, and everybody gets all excited and they go home and they fall into a slump exactly as they were before they came in. And right now the church has become ineffective because Jesus Christ is not the priority in their manner of life nor is it the priority in seeking truth. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so what's happening now, and I can tell you from my own experience, beginning this year, the end of December, normally the Lord will give me some instruction or direction. Is it hot in here or is it just me? He'll give me some instruction as to what the following year emphasis should be or the focus should be for IGO and the, and the influence sphere that he may have offered me. The beginning of this year, it was sitting on the front row and the Spirit of God said to me very clearly, either... Thank you, my brother. Either we pursue or we will perish. Amen? Amen. That got refined a little bit more from 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now, I'm laying down a little bit of a foundation because by the time I leave, I'm hoping to be able to help you position yourself so that you'll understand where the Lord wants you to be and how he wants you to position yourself for going forward. Some of you that are in a positions of leadership now may have to revise your expectations to come in under the authority of another for two reasons. A, to help the one man who's got the calling to achieve his focus and his calling and his plans in God. And secondary, to learn the things that you've not yet given you the time to learn. When people talk about promotion, promotion has to come from the Lord or it's not promotion at all. It's just man exalting man. And if we're going to be effective in these coming years prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, it has to be because we have an anointing that will break yokes and lift bondages. Am I what, my brother? Without that, it's pointless. I mean, I don't care how good a speaker you are, how handsome you are, how well you speak, or how many people want to sit down and listen to you and bow down at your feet. Your ministry will never accomplish the counsels of God. So, from 1 Samuel chapter 30, this was David coming into a position where he had started to get on a roll with God, and you're familiar with the scripture, I'm sure, where he came back and went out to war, came back and found out that his own hometown city of Ziglag had been burnt with fire, 
But the most important thing I wanted to notice in when I read that scripture, the Lord wanted me to see, was that his inheritance had been stolen. The wives and the children had been taken off into bondage. And the people became very despondent because of it. The husbands came back, their families were gone, their future had been decimated, and the enemy apparently had snuck in when nobody was looking. That was because David and his merry crew were about the business of attacking the enemy, but not the places where God had wanted them to go. They were involved in proceeds and, and purposes and, and uh, battles that had not yet been cleared by God. If you remember, that's the same thing that happened when they took Jericho and they went to Ai and there was sin in the camp. They took off into the direction before they ever got God's instruction on it. And the point, of course, was that when the people started to get to the point where they were almost ready to stone David, David kneeled down and inquired of the Lord. And his question was, Lord, shall I pursue? The answer was what? Pursue and what? No, be, be accurate. Pursue, overtake, and you shall recover all. Exactly. Now, the pursuing is part of it. The recovery is, is, is good. But the restoration is what we're looking for. Right now, the Spirit of God wants restoration. And what we've got is a lot of workers who are bored with their work. And consequently, they're not doing too much of it. When I was coming down here this afternoon, I looked at a sign in front of a church down here. And it said, this church has now been repaired. And I thought to myself, how sad. Because the church doesn't need repairing, it needs restoration. It needs bringing back to its former glory. Isn't that right? Is anybody alive in here? All right. Uh, So, having taken that into account, how is this going to be accomplished? Well, the prophetic scriptures regarding prophecy, and in more particular, the spirit of the prophet, has to be imparted into more than one or two or ten or a hundred different ministries. It has to be imparted into the populace, into you the people. And if we look at the scriptures regarding Elijah and the spirit of Elijah, which is a well-known prophet to all of us, the book of Malachi, in Malachi the scriptures tell us of the spirit of Elijah, which was upon him to bring instruction and direction to the people of God and to prepare them for the coming of the Lord. It says that Jesus spoke in Matthew 1 regarding, or Luke 1 regarding, excuse me, Matthew 1 regarding uh, John the Baptist who carried the same spirit of Elijah upon him. And if we move on into Malachi chapter 4, the first part of Malachi chapter 4, if you can throw that up on the screen, that would be interesting. This says, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all of the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly, shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Now, that's certainly not the same spirit of Elijah that was preparing the salvation of the Lord, is it? Doesn't that talk to you about the destruction of the earth? Hmm? Yes? What does Peter say about the destruction of the earth? It's not going to be by water next time. It's going to be by fire, right? Is that correct? Let's read a little bit further on. So now we're seeing something about the spirit of Elijah 
is grieving over the fact that the earth is not ready for the destruction that's going to come on it. Look at the next verse. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth. Ye shall go forth. Who's the ye? You. Shall go forth. And will grow up as calves of the stall. Next verse, please. And ye will tread down the wicked. Who's going to do the treading? How much treading are you doing lately? See, the point I'm trying to make is we have aligned ourselves behind the leaders. Now it's time for you to take the forefront. There's going to be a shift in the, in the attitude and the instruction and the direction of the body of Christ. The reality is, of course, that there are a lot of people in the body of Christ that have taken a position, not an aggressive position, but a passive position. And ultimately, they are going to become the false church. Do you understand that? So a lot of well-meaning people who started off with a recognition and understanding of the things of the Spirit are not going to make it into the final crew that are going to be about the business of destroying the works of the devil. And what I'm trying to tell you is, and what I've been seeing around the globe is, we are already positioning ourselves for that. Now, there's a scripture in Amos 9.9 9 that I want you to look up and maybe write. Am I giving you too many scriptures? <laughs> Amos 9.9 9 popped into my spirit this morning. And uh, somebody want to read that to me? Anybody? Okay. Somebody stand up when you got it. That's good. Don't all jump up at once now. I want somebody else to jump up. You're, you're always on the front row, and that's awesome, but let's give somebody else a crack at it. And what about some men? Do we have any men here? Sheesh. I can't understand a word you said. <laughs> speak slowly. That's okay. Just speak slowly, brother. For lo, I will command, and I will sift the house of Israel among all nations. And I will what? Sift. I will sift the house of, of Israel amongst among the nations. Wherever my church is, I am going to shake them, saith the Lord. Isn't that what it says? Yes. Because Israel is a type of the church, right? The body of Christ. There's only one church, isn't there? A lot of different ministries, but only one church. And not all ministries serve the church, do they? All right. So the Lord says, Israel, a type of the body of Christ, yes? Wherever the body of Christ is, I am going to sift it. I'm going to shake it. I'm going to find out what it's really made of. And what else does it say? Like as corn is sifted like, in a sieve. Good. Like corn is sifted in a sieve, yeah? Yet shall, I, shall not the least grain fall apart upon the earth. Yet shall not the least grain fall upon the earth. Now, somebody give me an understanding of what that means. If you look at it in, the, in the, just the way in which it's written, does God have a love for every single person that's called upon his name? Does God love everybody? Yeah. Of course he does. Did the Son of God die for everyone that they may have opportunity of their sins being and eternal life, yeah? Awesome. Okay. So if we know that, then in the last days, God is saying, and he says, this is just one example, because Amos was a latter-day prophet. He said, of all of the people that are scattered throughout the whole globe, I will sift them, I will shake them, I will run them through the sifter. But know this, saith the Lord, that not one grain, which represents my people, not one grain that's of value will fall to the ground. So he means there's going to be supernatural and divine intervention in the lives of the sons of God and the, and the, and the children of God 
who want to know what God is doing. So if people are going to want to find out and need to find out what the Spirit of God is doing, there's only two offices really that are confrontational in doing that. Now, I'm not saying that, that evangelists aren't confrontational or teachers or pastor, pastor teachers are not, are not confrontational. They are up to a point. But I was explaining and sharing with my brother last night that of all the office gifts that are the most disliked, it has to be the prophet's office. And that's because we are confrontational. But it doesn't mean we don't love you. It just means that our job is to expose the root. And nobody likes to have the root exposed unless they're really serious about getting activated for God. Are you listening to me? See, now, last week when I was in the church... I was telling a little story about my office secretary that gave me a lemon tree, a little baby lemon tree, about a foot and a half high. And I planted that in a house that I had in Florida. And uh, it grew very slowly, but then all of a sudden it took off. But that thing was in the ground for five years. Produced no lemons at all. I was very disgusted about the whole thing. I, 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 I plowed it up, and I'm not much of a gardener, I must admit, but I fertilized the thing and trimmed it and kept all the bugs off of it and sprayed it with every chemical known to man that was supposed to be good. And still no lemons. I got some little flowers, but they all fell off. So I called my secretary. I said, I love the fact that you thought about me and bought me a lemon tree, but there's no lemons on it. So what good is it? And, of course, you can relate that to the parable, right? So I said, why don't you call the manufacturer or the person that you bought the lemon tree off and find out from them if this lemon tree is a hybrid. Is it supposed to have fruit or just look like a fruit tree? (laughs) And she called me back and she said, no man of God. She said, they told me it might take four or five years, but it will produce lemons. So I started praying over the tree. Now you say, well, that's kind of silly. Why? Jesus spoke to trees. Didn't he? Right? No. Jesus, the tree you spoke to died. See, so, so anyway, so I, was, I came out one morning and lo and behold, I see a tiny little lemon. We went away. We came back a few weeks later because I'm a pilot now, so I like to fly around a little bit. Went down there, came back. And here we are. This tree is loaded with lemons. And then about two weeks later, there was a frost and killed my lemon tree. I couldn't believe it. And I looked at this lemon tree. And I said, this is a shame. After all that, the Lord blessed me with lemon tree. Isn't it just like the devil trying to mess with me? But here's the interesting part. After I trimmed off all the dead brown lemons and I trimmed all the things back, I decided I'd check to see if that tree is really dead. So I got a little knife and I scraped the tree bark off. And then underneath that dead-looking limb was green, which told me what? There's life in that dead-looking limb. Now, after I said that, I challenged my people because a lot of them, and I'm sure a lot of you, are currently being scraped by God. And the little dead part on the outside of you, you even wonder if you're alive sometimes. So now the Holy Spirit's scraping the surface down, and that hurts. You know, children go running and they scrape themselves, you know, and and blood come out of everything. And little boys scrape themselves and they all scream and yell. Well, the body of Christ is screaming and yelling, but there is life yet to be discovered in the body of Christ. And the prophetic unction, which exists in the Latter-day Church, which is even now being fanned to life, has to come to the forefront because this man of God can no longer continue to carry the full burden of that which God requires to do in Christ's faith tabernacle. The Lord raised up this house to be a producer of seed, which is going to be carried by the wind all over the earth. And this man is a strong man. I've known him for 25, nearly 20, more longer than 25 years. And I know he can carry a burden. 
But it's time now for you and I to make sure that he has those raised up under him who are willing to carry that burden and to do the things necessary in order to fulfill his vision and the counsels and purposes of God. Amen? Amen. Now, let's look back, go back a little bit more to, to uh, this uh, uh, unique understanding of how the spirit of Elijah would rise up. If we go back to Malachi 4, just for a second, and uh, let's have a look a little bit more at what is the promise of this. Uh, I want to go to the next verse of that, please. Next verse. Three. It says, And you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this. So you see, it's the I motivating the you. Yeah? In other words, who's going to be our teachers in this last day? Well, you know, you get to a point where the teacher is no longer able to teach you anymore. The mentor has already raised up the protege. Now it's time for the protege to get sent out. There was a time where the apostle Paul said, don't keep asking for me to come. I'm going to send you Timothy. And when he comes, receive him. Are you listening to me? When he comes, receive him. You're not listening. You're looking. Don't look. Listen. Eh? When the, I told you I'm confrontational. So, so well, no, you see... I'm going to be saying things to you that you don't recognize as God speaking to you. Now, sometimes there's, there's a difference between prophesying and a thus saith the Lord. For instance, I could tell, I could tell, what are you, what's your first name? Blue shirt. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. I don't understand what your first name is. You're, you've been on the wrong track for a long time. You went through it, you know, if you, if you watch train shift stations, they have these things where they shift the, the, the tracks, right? The last time you got shifted, because you're a very emotional person and you get caught up in, in how you feel about your relationships with people and you, you have a tendency, young man, to be able to listen to the wrong voices uh, because they sound so convincing to you. You also have a desire in your heart to get to the next station ahead of everybody else and always trying to find a faster way of getting there. Consequently, you shift trains. And the last time you shifted a train, just recently, within the last couple of three months, you moved your focus from the way the Lord had you going onto a different track. Now you're headed in the wrong direction. You're paralleling the way God wanted you to go. But you've lost your zeal, you've lost your purpose, and you're headed to the wrong destiny. So what I'm going to suggest to you is you go back to the person that was instructing you in the first place. And some of the ones that are trying to fast track you and bring you ahead of where you're spiritually able to go. Go back to where the, the foundational instruction was and do some repenting and ask the Lord to get you back on that. Otherwise, the desire of your heart to be involved in ministry is going to go goodbye. Huh? Is there anything I said? Do you make any sense? Yeah. Uh, see, it's the honesty part of it. How important is it for you to be able to help people? You want to help people, but you can't help people until you help yourself. You follow me? Now, there's a lot of people that want to help you, but it's, it's very hard to help people that don't think they need it. When I, was at, when I was a young man in Australia, uh, I, used to, I used to be a lifeguard, believe it or not. That was when I was skinny. I used to be a lifeguard. I used to be a lifeguard. And they told me, sometimes you're going to have to help people beyond where they think they need help to rescue them. I'm going to teach you when you get to people who are drowning, sometimes you're going to have to learn how to knock them out. Because they'll drown you. Yes, they'll drown you. So, so when I reached this lady one day, she was saying, I don't need help, leave me alone, and tried to pull me under with her. So I gave her a clip under the jaw, <laughs> flipped around and dragged her back to the beach, for which she was very grateful later. 
but, but, but the point I'm trying to make, the point I'm trying to make is sometimes people who don't recognize they're in trouble can really cause shipwreck. Amen? So sometimes your best leadership are those who get you to where you need to be, but not always in the nicest way. Personally, for my temperament, my character type, I like to get from A to B as fast as I can. And that's why I'm saying to this young man here, it's a mistake to hook yourself up to people who make you feel better about yourself, but aren't practically helping you. Let's get back to, let's get back to the spirit of Elisha here. I'm sorry, I'm really hot. Yeah. Hmm? Oh, no, I'm fine, brother. Don't worry. I'll survive. feel like I'm back in Nigeria, actually. Yeah. It's a beautiful room. It just needs some fancy. All right. So. Yeah. So under the... And you shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, the reason I'm going this way is because I want to take your focus off, you know, leadership per se. All right? Because I want to get you to the point now where I'm going to start positioning you so that the Spirit of God can start to speak to you directly. And I want you to get to the point where you have an honesty of your own heart to be able to listen to instruction that's accurate. I did a book a while back. And all my books are now on Amazon, if you have any interest in looking at them. Uh, I did a book a while back called Voices. Because I realized when Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, but the voice of another, they will not follow. So if that's the case, thank you, my brother. Apostle, I'm sorry. If they had, if they, well, he's both, but I need to honor the man of God. You know the reason why a lot of you don't get promoted is because you don't honor him? I know you respect him, but you don't honor him sometimes. Not all, but many. Uh, Okay, that went over like a lead block, didn't it? So, if you have an understanding of how the Spirit of God operates and are willing to yield to that, Jesus said, if he made the statement that the voice of another he will not follow, then there must be other voices. Am I right? And the voice of the enemy doesn't sound like... It doesn't sound like in the head spinning around and spewing stuff. It sounds just like you. So if you can get to the point where you can discern the difference between the Lord's voice, you say, well, that's easy. I just compare what the the voice is saying, if it agrees with Scripture or not. The Spirit is smarter than that. The enemy's voice is smarter than that, too. You know, right from the beginning in the garden, he was able to imitate sufficiently God's instruction to fool Eve, wasn't he? All right. So look at this. And and, and so you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes. And let's go to the next verse. I'm tired of that one. I wore it out. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. All he's saying there is he doesn't want you to go back to legalism. He wants you to remember that God has his way of doing things. Amen. See, even the Nigerians are getting hot. I know it's getting hot when that's happening. When I see your own people sweating, then I know it's getting hot. It's not just this white folks up here. All right. So, next verse, please. Verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Well, obviously, that's not the first coming of the Lord, is it? It's the second coming. But we know that Elijah has already come. And we know that Jesus said Elijah in, in, uh, in, in the Gospels told us that that was John the Baptist, correct? Well, what about this coming? Next verse, please. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Now, this is an interesting. I want you to pay attention to this. Because this is a coin that has two sides to it. The first side of the coin is referring to the first coming. The second 
side of the coin referring to the second. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, which is what Elijah did in his first coming. Because he turned the hearts of the, of the, uh, the prophets, the priests and the kings towards the children. Because they had become so legalistic and so lacking of attention and love to the, to the, uh, to the people of God that God brought judgment upon them. Isn't that right? He said to the scribes, the Pharisees, you know, you're so full of your legalism, but you won't with your one little finger help even a widow. Yeah? You just take the money from them and you act all righteous, but inside you're dead bones. But look at the second part. But the heart of the children, back to the fathers. Now, this is the dispensation that we're in now. God right now is about the business of turning your hearts back to the fathers because maybe you have a love in your heart for apostle. But the reality is in many churches, in most ministries... I'm going to get out of the habit of saying churches because there's only one church. But in many ministries that actually are called of God to represent the the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, many of those people have become distrustful of ministry because of the catastrophes that we've seen in the body of Christ, because of the betrayals, because of many people have been hurt severely by their spiritual fathers. Many of them now have just given up. And if they're going to church at all, they've surrounded themselves with people who have likewise been offended and rejected And these people are prime candidates for the false church. Are you listening to me? So right now the move of God is to turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers. There is a restoration of the apostolic ministry, which you're already having in this house. He he was a little ahead of his time. And I remember 25 years ago when this ministry first began, his heart was always to establish a bright shining light, a burning bush if you like, in London and in particular for his own people. He's had a heart for his own home country all of his life. Now he's starting to see that the church is beginning to be breathed upon and blessed by God and now the Spirit of God has given him a base, a beautiful base which represents the spirit of excellence which is in the man. Does God need a beautiful building like this? No. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He can dwell in the hearts of men just as easily. So why was it important for this man of God to have this house? Because it's a showpiece for the people of London to see that the body of Christ, I'm just referring to a church just down the road with a sign out the front, we have repaired the house of God. Who repairs the house of God? I mean, it's it's ludicrous. What we have now is people, when they walk past, they see an excellence when they walk into the house. It's a restoration that will draw people's attention to the fact that everything that we do with God doesn't always have to be secondhand repaired and patched up. Can you say amen? amen? But the people who are in the house are just as important. My plan and purpose to come here is not just to talk to you. I, I, I'm very cognizant of the fact that it's a, it's a... How can I say this to you? Scripture says that when Jesus sent the disciples out, he said, whenever you enter in a house and they receive you, let your peace enter into that house. Amen? But if you knock on the door of a house and they don't wish to receive you, then wipe the dust off your feet. It were better for, for Solomon and Gomorrah than Solomon and Follow me? In this house, because I've been invited here, and I don't go everywhere I'm invited... I come here and I've been invited here. I consider that a, a, a great honor for me. Not, not just because I, I know the man of God and I appreciate his character and his person and his ministry and his wife. But I know that this is a house of God's choosing. You see, God's name is here. And so it's up to me to do what I can to help and stand with my brother in faith and, and the man of God to try to make sure that I can be a support to him on the level that he needs it because I can tell you it's, it's not an easy place to be. There, there, are, there are stresses and burdens upon men in his position that most of you may have imagined a little idea about but don't really know that he goes to bed with these burdens. 
Amen? So right now it's not less large numbers that we need. What we need, and I know in my house as well, I need people who will stand and lift up my hands, not just in prayer, but will bear the, the weight of the burden with me. Because the, the Joshua's and the Caleb's that, that I'm desiring to raise up, many of them have, have left. They gave up in the midstream. And, 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 and to me, I'm looking for those ones that are willing to say to themselves, we are well able to take this. I, I, I don't understand why people can't. Why aren't we able to set a church in Egypt and another in Saudi Arabia? And why can't we establish the house of God? You see, but that spirit that's in him has to be transferred into people that are willing ground and allow themselves to take on that role and that burden. And while we are still a people that are looking for position and purpose and place and want to feel warm and fuzzy about the things of the gospel and have people call me reverend or whatever, those, that, that's not going to help where we need to go. Are you listening to me? I've had all that beaten out of me. Believe me, I used to, I, back in Dallas, I used to wear Bob Shambach's coat. I mean, I did. I was in the, in the, oh yeah. I'm ashamed to tell you, but I did. Yeah. In the back of the Word of Faith, they had a trailer where Bob used to do his makeup, you know. And uh, the, the senior usher there said, you know, Brother Shambach's on today and his coat is here. And I said, really? I wear his coat. So I put his coat on, you know, and I'm walking around praying in the Holy Ghost. And, and uh, later on, Mrs. Shambach caught me. I was telling you, but I bumped into Mrs. Shambach. And she said, what are you doing? And I said, I've, I've got your husband's coat on. She said, I can see that, you idiot. Why are you doing that? I thought maybe I'd get a transfer. And she said, not likely, but my husband's likely to transfer something in if he sees you walking around in his coat. So and I took it off. So let's, let's get a little bit serious here. Okay? Now let, let's, as I look at all our wonderful, smiley, intelligent faces, I can tell you that this whole room, there's probably three or four of you that have apostolic callings on your life. Now, if I could line you all up, I could walk down, I could put my finger on each one of you. But I'm not going to do that today because I've been asked to do that. But I am telling you this, you're all called to be here because the man of God has said that everyone in this room is either has their own ministry or has a desire to be in the ministry and they're either in uh, Nigeria or some other country or here, right here in Christ Faith Tabernacle. CFT has a really interesting future coming up. But I can tell you, my brother, it's going to shift. Your focus is going to shift because your dispensation, your purpose is going to shift. A lot of what you've been doing now is going to be taken away into the hands of others. Uh, and I want you to be careful. I want you to get a security team around you. I know you trust in the Holy Ghost and I do too. But God's going to send you some places where he needs your voice. And you need to make sure that there are people there who are carnal and look after you. Yeah? Amen. Amen. Alright. So, let's get a couple of quick examples. You're familiar, of course, with the story of Gideon, Yeah? Where was Gideon when all this was going on and God had set him up to be the deliverer of his house? Where was he? He was hiding, wasn't he? Do you remember God's instruction to him when he sent the angel to him? See? What are you doing here, Gideon? Why are you hiding, thou mighty man of valor? Now, that's that's a clarion call that is going out to the men and the women. And may I say this to you with all reverence to the wonderful ladies... Please don't overstep your lines of authority when it comes to the biblical standing and the wonderful blessing that God has called you to be as women. Right now, there is an assignment of the enemy to raise women beyond where they should be. And right now in the United States, men are becoming feminized and the women are becoming masculine. 
And so we're getting, we're getting, we're getting the houses that are falling apart, totally out of order. We've got, we've got promotion now of homosexual marriages. A lot of countries, a lot of states that have been traditionally very, very strong in, in, in uh, uh, family values are being undermined and attacked. And the United States morally is declining about as fast as anywhere we go. I think America is on its way out, to be honest with you, I really do. But in the same way, I've always believed that uh, countries like Nigeria, even though you know, many of the countries of Africa now are coming under assignment, I believe that there's hope and there's light and there's a, there's a sunrise coming out of Africa. That I believe because of the hearts of the people, you've been, you've been suppressed for so long. And I think now, if we can fan those fires of, of, of righteousness in the hearts of the people of Africa and put to flight these enemies of the cross that are being, uh, being stirred up over there, Africa is going to be uh, really something to contend with spiritually in the coming four or five years. Anyway, point I want to make to you is this. And over the next few times, this apostle gives me an opportunity to share with you uh, when I have my scriptural layout and I can, I can focus you one line upon line, precept upon precept. I want to take you on a little walk with this because the statement that Gideon made to me was very uh, uh, interesting and very uh, connecting when it comes down to what the Holy Spirit is doing right now in his church. Because Gideon's answer was, his excuse was, and if you look at his father, his father was an idolater. And uh, had already been in a position where he'd been building altars uh, 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 to pagan, to pagan uh, entities, deities. And his own son had a desire to separate himself from it. But in his separation, he was hiding at the same time. His father was carrying on doing his thing, supporting idols, and the son was hiding. And his statement to the angel was, then if I'm called to be a great warrior from God, then where are all the supernatural signs and wonders? For I am the least in all of my father's house. My tribe is the least of all of them. And the Spirit of God began to speak to me saying that the least are going to become preeminent. Those who are least in the kingdom right now are being earmarked by God. That's when that last, read in Amos 9.9, that last corn of wheat will not fall to the ground. And, and I know that in this house today, there are many of those corns of wheat that God has separated in these last days to be breathed upon and given uh, outrageous anointings uh, that are going to far surpass your ability to go to Bible school and get diplomas. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's great. That's awesome. I mean, my brothers here have all been through Bible schools and all studied the scriptures and all of that kind of thing. But I'm telling you now, even though we have great respect for the, 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 the difficulties and the trials and the tribulations, I've been through them. These men of God have all been through them. Their wives have been through them. Their families have gone through them. Been... This generation doesn't have to do that. Not to the same extent. I, I don't know if you'll agree with me, but the anointing that's coming on you now will far surpass that. All God is, all God is asking you to do, He doesn't want you to have to suffer. He wants you to submit. That's all there is, truthfully. And, and I can tell you that before I leave here this, this time, I, I can't offer you as much as many of these men do, but such as I have, I want to make sure that you're positioned so the Spirit of God, so you're ready in your heart to receive what the Spirit of God has brought me here to impart into this house, that you'll be able to leave this building at the end of this seminar with a burning knowledge in your heart that you're ready to be about the Father's business. That's what I want to see for the man of God. That's what I want to see for you. And I don't want any more to say that, you know, how can I be used? It's like, it's like Dan, you know, Samson being the only deliverer the tribe of Dan ever had. And he didn't answer the call. He didn't submit his heart. He was too busy chasing skirts on the other side of the border. Are you listening? 
But right at the end, he learned his lesson. And when the anointing came back on, he said, one of his last statements, and I learned this in Bible school years ago, he was always referring to, you know, God, Jehovah. And right at the very end, he called him Lord, Adonai. He called on the name of the Lord, my Lord. Allow me now to be anointed one more time. And he killed more in his death than it is. But how sad. How sad. He could have been used so magnificently. So what I'm telling you is these last days are not going to be devastatingly uh, horrendous for the body of Christ. Quite the opposite. I think they're going to be times of great release, great fervent anointings. But there is going to be a separation that's already happening now. And you're going to have to be ready for members of your own family to turn their back on their faith. I pray to God they will not. But I also pray to God that you remain faithful. And, and as you see, you know, these last days shakings, and as you see false prophets arising, and as you see the, 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 the signs in the heavens and the signs on the earth, remember this, that when the Lord said, now, my kingdom is not of this world, and the word their kingdom is the word basilia in the Greek. The word cosmos is what we use for the world. He said, my kingdom, basilia, is not of this cosmos. Then he refers to when was the sign of the, at the end of the world, at the end of the age, Greek word aeon. So you've got the three areas of the segmentations of, of spiritual forces united there. One is the world system, the cosmos. One is the kingdom of God, the Basilia. And the aeon, the church age, is where the mixing begins to happen. So we go from outer court to inner court, the holy place. And in these last days, you're going to see more and more people supernaturally transposed and brought out of their hiding places, just like Gideon. And the faith that's going to arise in men and women's hearts is no longer going to be on the backs of men of God who have paid the price before you came along. You're going to be inspired by them. You're going to be trained by them. You're going to be led by them. But then they're also going to be able to hold their hand out the window, like the prophet said to the king, you know, fire your arrows. And, and, and as many arrows as you can find, they will hit the mark and you'll destroy your enemies. So I want to encourage you. This week in particular, and when this, this building receives its, its baptism into its new anointing for its 25th anniversary, when this building comes under its, its new anointing for service and ministration, it's going to include not just an anointing for the house, an anointing for the man of God, but that anointing is going to flow down from the head to the shoulders to the beard and down into you. Amen? So praise the Lord. Thank you, man of God. I'll talk more some other time. Wow. I can see that I'm really blessed, I tell you. Because the truth shall be established by two or three witnesses. We got the three witnesses already. And we can hear the voice of God spoken three times. And some of the things they have said, which have become the nucleus of it. And then we have seen God speaking out of that into other things, which we can all put together. Now, I want to say something before we close. My spiritual father, one of those who spoke concerning my conception, and who was used by God mightily in Nigeria in 1930. While he was about to depart from the earth. In 1958. He went around the whole nation telling the people. He was taken to heaven. And he was in one spot for 50 days. And when he came back he said the Lord showed him the, 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 the doom coming in Nigeria. That in 1960 Nigeria was going to slavery of 40 years. And the Lord told him he has finished his work, but he still have life to live. And he have a choice to choose whether to come or to remain. In 1959. And he told the Lord he doesn't want to go into that slavery with Nigeria. He said he would want to come home. So the Lord said, okay, next year you come home. So he went 58 into 59 telling people, uh, in 58 telling people I'm going home next year. 
But he said something that you said. He said during that encounter, God revealed to him the year 2000 forward. And God showed him that the manifestations that will happen to the generation that we see 2000 has not happened since the beginning of creation. He all said this. He said in their, in their own time, they fast so many days. He said this generation did not attain it by fasting. He said they have, they have been sent by God at a time God is pouring His grace. And he said the only thing the generation needs to know, that generation that will see that here, is just to follow Him. That's what he said. Just to obey Him, that's it. So I need to say this because you need to understand that it, the race is not meant for the swift. Neither does we have come to the learned. And what God has spoken to you here, keep it in your heart. Ponder over it. No question today. All questions are answered. Ponder over it till evening. And when you come in the evening, make sure you have digested everything God said. Don't go to your you know, resting place Without looking through all these things, God has said. So, yes, we will do that. So that while, while you come in the night, by the time you come in the night, you're, you are fully digested and you are fully ready. Do we get it now? I want to say thank you to every one of you that have come. May the Lord continue to bless you. Shall we stand up together? We speak the grace as in Hebrew 13, 20, and 21. Shall we? Now, may the God of peace. That brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make us perfect in every good work to do his will, working in us that which is well pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Can I say that um, we, everyone that comes, for 25 years, Christ Faith Tabernacle has spread across the globe, empowering the saints for the season of the Lord's return. This season has arrived. Join Apostle Alfred and Reverend Piona Williams in this year of God's glory as we celebrate the Christ Faith Tabernacle 25th year jubilee from the 23rd of February to the 1st of March. Our name shall be great. Nation will come out of us. The Lord has blessed us and nobody can rebook it. Be empowered alongside ministers from across the globe to walk in the miraculous, see healings, miracles, signs and wonders in your ministry. Come and celebrate 25 incredible years that have seen Christ Faith Tabernacle spread across the globe, meeting dignitaries and changing nations. You are healed right now in the name of Jesus by the blood of the risen Lord. Let them see Jesus shine through your life like never before. That you are bulletproof as long as you are walking under the covering of the Almighty. You got to know that God has set you apart special. God is very, very involved in every little thing. The Christ Faith Tabernacle Silver Jubilee. Leadership training daily. Power Miracle Nights every evening from 7pm. And the official dedication of the incredible CFT Cathedral Woolwich on Sunday, March the 1st at 4pm. The venue, CFT Cathedral, 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London, SE18, 6NL. Visit cftchurches.org or call 020-8316-2332.